do 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 switch mania playcast welcome to episode 44 of the switch mania playcast a class episode and i'll tell you why we're still alive that's a good thing right yeah it is <laughs> every week it's the dragoon episode but that's just yeah. Well, that's why I did classes, though, because we've got Andrew Dragoon, <laughs> and technically Bravely Default has kind of, like, retro kind of graphics to it. Well, yeah. it does, the Dragoon is one of the jobs, it's just not in the demo yet. Well, yeah. And, and oh, Panzer Dragoon well, is the main game. Like, we just had a bonus of Barry wanted us to try to play Bravely Default. That was just like a bonus. Yeah. No, actually, that was JP that suggested it. Yeah. Did I? Yeah. Well, I will uh, say... See, JP don't it, even remember. See. I know, but, but you know what's funny, though? Two things, and... We'll get into it, but it's funny how Panzer Dragoon was the main game, and the main game for me became the demo. And I'm gonna go into like how much I've been playing, especially when a day before we were supposed to record. So on Thursday night, I think I I messaged you both. I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna have time to play this, and now I'm gonna tell you how much I've done in the game, and I've become addicted to the Bravely Default demo, and I never thought I would. So I can't wait to get to that. I'm not surprised because you're comparing an arcade-style game to an RPG. Of course, you're going to put more time into the RPG when you actually play both games. Yeah. <laughs> like, like no, should, yeah. Even the but demo I mean, of this is lo- much larger than the full arcade experience of Panzer Dragoon. That's just how oh, it yeah. is. It's different genres. <laughs> That's true. Let's get in. How about we get right into Panzer Dragoon, then? Let's do it. We're going to go right into it? All right. Yeah. Um, let's, let's get the games covered today first, and then we'll have time to open up for other discussions. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll, what we'll do is we'll still do our housekeeping, because yep. um, we always gotta do that. And um, so everybody, thank you for listening to the Playcast, of course. Um, as always, leave us some um, leave us some feedback on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else. So you can leave us comments. JP's constantly posting craziness of like... Twitter stuff, which we're going to read <laughs> <laughs> live on the cast. And Every oh, now and then I post on Twitter. Of course, the Switch Collector <laughs> Volume 1 is available uh, for pre-order and is shipping soon. Um, and I did a little research. I, it is my 21st print release, which is freaking insane. It can drink now. Yeah, 21st <laughs> print release. I didn't realize I had that many until I started documenting them. I'm like, holy crap. So yeah, I got a lot of books that I've published. Um, Congratulations. And what what a perfect time while we're all quarantined at home to read. Exactly. So you should definitely check out some of Jeffrey's books because they're awesome. All right. (laughs) Kids show, come on. Yeah, kids. Damn it. Read. Um, Reading is cool. All right, so let's do a little bit of a uh, backbone um, of Panzer Dragoon. Um, So Panzer Dragoon is a series of video games by Sega. Uh, created first by its international team Andromeda and later by Smilebit Development. Um, and basically they are a rail shooter game, so, which means you're kind of in 3D, you are in 3D, and you follow a rail and shoot everything in sight until you get to a typically a big boss, which you then beat. Um, there's one game in the series, Panzer Dragon Saga, that has RPG elements as well. Um, it is a big uh, series that originated on the Sega Saturn, um, then now and then moved over with Panzer Dragoon Orta over to the Xbox, and then now he have the remakes. Um, You're in... forgetting though, 
It was no, also not. on the Game Gear and the R Zone. You're uh, interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, see. No time Barry likes to interrupt before as I'm going down <laughs> the list. stuff. Because you know there's going to be that one listener that's going to be like, you're forgetting those. Ah. So, yeah, he's got to point he, it out. He's looking over at his R-Zone collection, the listener, and going like, can you even mention this? Okay. But I'm, <laughs> I'm going one. down the line. I was going to mention it. It's oh, 1995, yeah. Panzer Dragoon R-Zone, and there's Panzer Dragoon <laughs> Mini, which was released in 1996. I mean, they're there. Wait, so <laughs> this one, on the, you said on the Game Gear? Yeah, but it was actually released when Sega rebranded the Game Gear as the Kids Gear in Japan. But yeah, there was a Panzer Dragoon Mini on the, the Game Gear in Japan. In Japan, okay. Oh, interesting. I never knew that. Yeah, it's um, basically released in 1996, and you can't actually control the camera. It rotates automatically, which actually huh. I prefer because of um, different mm-hmm. types, because it, it leads to less memorization required uh, to mm-hmm. play the game. Um, in December of... 2018, uh, Sega announced that Panzer Dragoon and Panzer Dragoon Zwei were getting high-def remakes. Um, the publisher, Forever Entertainment, uh, presented the first game trailer in E3 2019 uh, on a Nintendo Direct. And the remake was finally released on March 26th, which we had codes provided to us. Correct, JP? Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Forever Entertainment. Yeah, which is really awesome of Forever Entertainment. And then we're going to go into what we thought of the game. Um, mm-hmm. But the original creator is who, Barry? The original? I don't, I don't know the original publisher, the original creator. No, I said the original creator of Panzer Dragon, the whole series. Come on, you well, had, you had published the, it. No, you had, the, you had the R-Zone and the, and the Game Gear. Shark well, I don't remember I the exact name it's... of the guy who created it. <laughs> Okay, uh, I was shocked though to see that on this, like Sega's only listed like at the very bottom on the mm-hmm. title screen. Is it, it almost seems like wait did Sega even have any part in this? Uh-huh. Which, which is kind of weird because Shenmue Three is in the same boat, and it's like does, does Sega really care about their franchises, or they're just like here, just take it. We don't even want our names on them anymore. <laughs> I don't know how um, prominent Sega wants all of their stuff associated with some of these games. It's interesting, but the um, the creator though Barry is Yukio Futasugi. Um, that's the yeah. guy who ended up creating the Panzer Dragon. I don't know, man. You had, all these, next, yeah. you, you had all these <laughs> sharpshooting things here. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, figured I, you were, I don't you know were it the, all. Okay. <laughs> figured you were the hipster of Panzer Dragoon. <laughs> Enjoy the franchise. <laughs> so, oh, boy. Um, I think I was um, probably not able to beat the... Um, well, I wasn't able to beat the game, so I probably played it the least out of you all. I don't know how far Barry got. I know JP posted he beat it, so and I do know that. Yay! Um, but um, I think I got to episode five or six. Um, <laughs> but my overall, because I take notes, um, I noted that the graphics look great, um, but there's really long loading before every episode. Like, it was ridiculous. Um... There was no rapid fire, um, which mm-hmm. kind of got to me. And I completely forgot that there's a lock-on. Like, obviously, that's part of it is you lock on all the, the enemies and stuff. Like, I was just playing, and I'm like, man, uh-huh. got through the whole first episode, and I'm, like, tapping, and my thumb's getting numb. I'm like, no, this is going to suck. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you can hold it and kill everyone. And um, to me, though, the controls should have been updated, which... Um, they did post that they are going to update the controls. Um, they're, they're, they're in there. 
Um, no. There's modern and classic. Neither. Both suck. They, they're they <laughs> going to update the controls to a modern control. It's actually been put out by the developer that they're going to actually update to some oh. modern twin stick type deal. Hmm. Um, yeah, because for me, I was using the original and tapping left and right and everything uh-huh. to me was really awkward for the camera. Um, and basically, it led to me like having to follow the radar constantly as I was looking for enemies. So I was having to follow the radar, like, all right, he's over to the left, and tap over real quick. And it mm-hmm. kind of slowly moved, a little slower than I wanted it to, not as fluid. Um, but, I mean, and that's it, the thing was, is very, very much so similar to the Sega Saturn version. So it's not like it's venturing far away or anything. It's just that I personally... Um, wanted things to move a little bit more fluid for the remake. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a, um updated soundtrack on here from the original composer that's apparently on the way as well. Like a brand oh, nice. new soundtrack of the game, which is really cool because the original soundtrack's amazing. Um, this, The one that came with the original version's okay. It's, it's not bad. It's palatable. Um, and so the thing to me that sticks out is that it seems like the developers are absolutely looking to do it justice and continuing to refine things, which hopefully will go on the physical release that we're going to get in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how far I got was about like to episode five, I want to say. I was going versus the boss, and he had like a sliver of health left, and I died. Um, I was learning the tactics, and I had it down. It's just he was at the very beginning, I didn't know the tactics, and t- they took away a lot of my um, health. And mm-hmm. in classic Panzer Dragoon fashion, it sent me to the back, the beginning of the level, and I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> so I, so I moved over to to bravely. So like, I I only played it um one playthrough, and in my one playthrough, it got me to um episode five. But mm-hmm. yeah, so there's mine. I'll I'll save my uh synopsis after y'all tell your your part. Um, let's go to Barry since JP's gotten beaten it, so he has. <laughs> a lot. Sure. So yeah, this is a, a franchise that I even remember playing as a kid in Toys R Us on the Saturn. It was, I think, one, maybe my first Saturn game I ever played, and I just fell in love with it. And uh, I think that's why I like the Star Fox series so much, too. So when this was announced, I was hyped. And when we got these codes, thank you again for the codes. Um, I, I played it first. I played it before Jeffrey or, or JP got to it. And I got to Episode 4, and I wound up dying on the boss. And I got a little frustrated, again, having to start from the beginning, so I turned it off. And, and the controls were a big problem. The lock-on was, was terrible. Yep. It was a very, very terrible lock-on. And the moving, the reticle while trying to dodge, and, like, that boss kept, like, throwing his, like, arms at me, and I, I felt I was way out of range, and I still got hit. And I was like, I feel like I can't dodge stuff. And it just, it felt off. It didn't feel right. It didn't feel modern. And I was disappointed. And then they announced, hey, we're doing a patch. Mm-hmm. So then they patched it. So I'm like, okay, well, now I played it first. Now let me play it after the patch. And I will say the patch did fix a lot of the lock-on issues. The lock-on feels like a whole new game now, um, playing it post-patch. It worked extremely well. I definitely would have loved to have rapid fire in there, too, um, just because sometimes that would be great. And on bosses, the lock-on isn't as effective so you really have to like aim and shoot. And I'm like the fourth boss lock on doesn't work at all, or it didn't work for me at all. Like it, it locked on, but didn't do any damage. So 
So I'm like, oh, I have to actually, you know, constantly tap and my, like my fingers got sore. Um, is it perfect? No. Is it pretty? Yeah. Um, I definitely think there's, there's definitely room for improvement and I hope these improvements do go on the physical card as, as Jeff said, for sure. I want to see this constantly updated so that they can bring the whole series over. But, uh, it wasn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. I was more frustrated by the end of it than anything. And the loading times were ridiculous. The loading times were Sonic 06 loading times. Mm-hmm. And no game should have Sonic 06 loading times. <laughs> Sonic um, 06 loading <laughs> Yeah, if you ever played Sonic 06, yeah. the loading times are ridiculous in that game. Um, but yeah, I, it, it is fun. Uh, it's, it's, if you like Panzer Dragoon, if you if you played the franchise and you want to trip down Nostalgia Lane, um, then you, you can't go wrong. Um, but keep in mind that it is archaic in the controls. They are not as responsive as they should be. They are better since the patch. And uh, some of the, it's very unforgiving in the sense of if you die, you are starting back at the very, very start of that, that level. But I did get the episode five, and that's when I called it quits. Yeah, so you were in the same boat as me, Barry. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think if maybe my game didn't patch. I think it may have automatically before I played it, though. Um <coughs> I didn't enjoy the lock-on, but I don't recall it being terrible. I, just, it, it was, I forgot it. Was, it. <laughs> it was terrible pre-patch. Like, when it first launched, it was absolutely terrible. Yeah. Um, you, you were, like, on, you had the reticle on enemies, and it still wasn't locking on, and you're like, what the heck? And then you're getting hit while you're, tra- like, I should be locking onto this. My, my target is right on them. Um, but since the patch, it, it did feel like a, almost a new game. So okay. I give them props for that. I, I want to say I, I played it post-patch then because I didn't notice any of that. Okay, that's good. And hopefully there's a new patch uh, before the um, before the physical release where they add yeah. in the new music and the other control option because they're supposed to be adding a second analog stick type deal where you can instantly move is what I read. Mm-hmm. So that would be amazing. Um, what about you, JP? Jimmy yeah, can't so say I, anything wrong, so <laughs> that's not true. I just I always look for the good. So I'm more of a positive reviewer, which is why I don't review games because I don't think people would always appreciate them. But no, I I have never played Panzer Dragoon before. I owned it on the Sega Saturn when I had rebought my Saturn, and it just stayed on my shelf. Never even put it in to try it. So this was the first time I ever played it. And I'll start with the positives. Uh, one is, like you said, it's very arcade style so each of the levels really are only about five minutes to get to the boss and then the boss can be anywhere from i would say five to ten minutes to beat once you know what you're doing so the whole game which is six chapters is not that long you could do it in one sitting um and there's for me there's replayability if you want to improve your score because at the end of each level they show you your accuracy how many enemies you killed how many you didn't so there's always you know room to go back um and for me, something that's short and quick bursts are very good because even though you could sit in one sitting, I did this over two, three days. Um, so I, I like that. The other piece is just like with Jeffrey, I had no idea there was a lock gun until I beat the third. Yeah, I think the third boss. And oh. I'm going like, this is hard. I'm like, I don't even know like how I could keep going with this because it was like just really hard to, <laughs> that's, to that's hit, a long hit. way JP Jeez. yeah well I went online after I beat the third level and I go like you know you know weapon types or I typed in something like you know different uh ability like moves and then somebody was like oh you could do a lock on by holding the button and it just made me think even though this game isn't that long there's nothing wrong with a quick tutorial 
like even in the beginning of level one for the first few enemies to say like, okay, you know, here's your, um, here's your, what do you want to call it? Your radar. When you see the dot, you know, press RL to move the camera. Cause I had never played this before. So mm-hmm. I kind of was teaching myself how to play this. And even though it doesn't sound like it's a difficult game, there's nowhere to me that, that kind of indicated like, Hey, there's a lock on feature as opposed to just, you know, shooting individually. So once I knew that, the game to me became much more enjoyable because I was now going, oh, maybe I could hit more enemies and get a higher score because depending on your accuracy, you get credits at the end of each level, which are used in case you die because I think you get five to start with. And then every time you die, you start at the beginning of that level and you use a credit, sort of like, you know, a quarter in the machine. So to me, I, I would have liked to just maybe have that quick tutorial um, I also, I like the graphics. I only played it on handheld. I thought it looked really nice. I thought the game played smoothly. I didn't really notice any lag or slowdown with the number of enemies on the screen. I do kind of wish that the story um, was expanded a bit because it was a really nice intro movie. But I feel like even after playing, I'm like, I don't really know like what the purpose of my guy flying was. And maybe I missed a little bit of text, but I don't know. I feel like it would have been nice to just maybe have a little bit more of a connection with the main character and understand really why you're you're killing other people. So um, I would say if you could expand on that, there's nothing wrong with that. Even, you know, in the physical release, if you have a booklet and you have a little, you know, introduction story, that could go a long way. Yeah. But overall, I, I, I like the game. I Like, I, you know, the music I thought was really good. I thought the gameplay was fun. Um, I am horrible at rail shooters, which I learned quickly on, even in level one. I just... I have no idea how people could get 100%. I mean, they got to be like gods in this game because things were just, for me, moving so fast sometimes through certain sections of the level where no matter how fast I was turning the camera, there's no way I could have hit everything. So that's where that replayability comes in because you really do have to learn the patterns and you really have to understand like at what point you need to turn around. You can use the homing uh, like shots and then quickly turn around as those are firing off. So there's a little bit of strategy to the game. I played it on easy mode, which is, and I still died, I don't know, maybe like three or four times throughout the game. So I was still able to make it to the end and beat it, but it wasn't easy for me even on easy mode. Um, but no, it was, it was a fun game, and I, I didn't actually know that it was that short in terms of the level. I always thought it was just a like a longer game overall. So having that arcade style makes me it makes it easier for me to come back to the game. Um, and of course, you know, with limited run games, we're getting a Sega Saturn style case for the game, which is pretty cool. And I'm glad to have a physical of it because I did like it. So, uh, nice to be able to preserve that. I've, uh, I've heard, um, people complain online about that. The beginning, this is how detailed this fan base gets that the dragon didn't wail as emotionally as he does in the original Sega Saturn version. <laughs> Oh my! <laughs> like, like that's what I heard, and I listened. And then when I heard it the first time, I'm like, yeah, it's kind of just going instead of like doing a really wail like it did. Mm-hmm. It was like a, it was like a shrieking wail in the Sega Saturn version. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will say though, I did try. I played it on the classic controls, and then after I beat it, I tried the first level on the modern. I prefer the classic because the modern took the right thumbstick. Um, moving it around to aim and then you're still pressing like the fire button yeah. and 
to me that I didn't like the stationary dragon with the camera moving. I much preferred kind of just moving everything at once. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm glad I stuck with the classic controls because I think it, it worked fine for this game. You know, if you're saying that they are doing an update where it's a little bit more free roaming, like yeah. I don't, I think that may make the game even more fun and a better chance of me getting a higher percentage. So once they do a patch, I'm gonna I'll download it and I'll try it again because well, and it's very that's easy what I read. I hope that the the modern control that they have isn't what they were talking about because if that's the case, like I don't like that where it's like double moving like it does. Like it, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel natural at all. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I hope that they actually do what what I read like and yeah. and create it so it's a little more a little more smooth. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I know we have some um, some f- you our listener feedback, right? Nope. I apparently I I mentioned that I was playing the game. I did not ask people for feedback, and nobody oh, gave it to me. I thought okay. I thought people replied to you. They, feedback. they did. They did for bravely default. I was no. looking at my I was looking at my two posts, and people were like, "Oh, I need to download this game. I need to try it." I go, "Oh, okay." And then I quickly posted just now. I was like, "Hey, has anyone played this game? Want to comment?" And Nobody has, but maybe by the end of this episode, we'll go back to the tweet, and I may have some additional stuff. But for Bravely Default, I should have some listener feedback. Okay. But until then, why don't we talk about if we recommend this game or not? Yeah, so so, so for mine, um, I would say it's a nice tribute. Um, I, you can tell that the developers and the publisher are um, very much fanboys. And especially because they're constantly tweaking and, and putting out patches and willing to make it right, which mm-hmm. is and and we're going to see limited run wait um, to put the final version, quote unquote, final version on a cartridge. So mm-hmm. I, I you know that they got to be working on stuff right now in the background, which is great. Um, as is right now, it's a like about a decent game. Um, there's a little bit of frustration there. The loading times are insane. If they can cut down the loading times. It would be a lot more palatable because if I sit there and and trudge through a boss and then get beat right at the very end, then I gotta wait for like a long loading screen and then restart the level. And then it's an on rail shooter, so you're sitting there waiting for the same scenes to go by. Um, it's like it's a little frustrating, and I mean it's also harkens back to how it was. But that being said, there's no reason we, that we can't modernize. And because what JP mentioned of the scoring mechanisms actually makes you want to play again and get a better score but with the loading and stuff right now it's just like there i get a little bit of anxiety thinking i'm like i don't want to wait for all that loading um i'll i'll wait till they fix it or when i get it physically i'll try it out if it's still bad loading i may just you know pop her in and then move on which is unfortunate because this is a great series and a great franchise um but as it stands right now, it's a it's a hard recommend for a download when there is a physical on the way. Um, that's mm-hmm. just my my recommendation there. Uh, what about you, Bear? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you. Uh, I want them to keep doing the series. I know they said they're doing the second one. I would love to see them do Orda and Saga and uh, absolutely. If this is something that you remember playing as a kid and you really want that nostalgia trip, you can't go wrong. Um, If it's one of those that you say, hey, maybe I want to play it, but not right this moment, I would wait for the physical. Uh, Definitely hope that the physical has all the updates on it. 
because they are still updating it. It's still not in perfect shape. And, and as someone who played it right at launch, they've already improved upon it. So I'm, I'm have high hopes that the developers will continue to improve upon it. And uh, by the time the physical comes out, it's going to be a much more polished package. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, so, I would say, knowing that a physical is coming out at some point, there's no harm in waiting. I mean, you'll play this game one way or another. Uh, just for people who don't know, so the digital release is $24.99, and through Limited Run Games, their physical will be $40, which is $15 more, and then their classic edition with the Sega Saturn-style case is going to be $60. Um, so there's still a while out I'm on their page now, and they're saying that uh, you can pre-order it up until... April 24th at midnight, so you still have about two more weeks to go. It's uh, you open get... pre-order for the limited, right? Yep, limited and awesome. the regular they have open, and I think we should talk about their change of model uh, later on because I think it's yes. important for people. Yes. But um, you will get a full-color interior print and instruction booklet, and then as of right now, they say the game is currently in manufacturing, artwork subject to change, the product will not ship until two to four months after the pre-order window closes. So, yeah, I as we've seen with Limit Run, they will wait for more patches to be done if they know that they're coming. We've seen that with Celeste. They waited about a year. And, you know, people overall, in the end, were thankful that they added that additional content. And you know what? If we know, if they know Panzer Dragoon is still doing updates, I don't see why they wouldn't wait to try to put out the best version that they could um, at the time that they have to manufacture the game. But I, I mean, I would recommend it. I mean, if it's a game that you have played growing up, I feel you will enjoy it. And even, like, for me, I've never played this before. I had a lot of fun. Thinking back now and looking at the pictures, I wouldn't mind if this had been, like, an open-world type game because the scenery was really nice when you're going through the city or just, you know, over the water. Um, and I would love to explore a little bit and not necessarily just con constantly be fighting enemies, but more exploring, maybe even getting off the dragging and doing some, like, land base. I'm just thinking now of, like, changing the game completely. But I... <laughs> I I feel like I wanted to explore that world more, and sometimes it just went by way too fast. Like, you'd fly right into the city and then fly right out. And I'm like, oh, I really want to just, like, look around and go through, like, that alley. And, you know, it, it just mm -hmm. says that the game looks nice, and it just made me think, what else could you do in it? So You want Panzer Dragoon Saga. I guess yeah. I do, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what you just <laughs> described. Yep. Yep. But it's not... But it's not is it in this specific, like, you see visit these locations, though? Or is it a whole completely different it's the same universe, place. Same, same universe okay same, same so either universe way, yeah, same world I, yep i would love an open world kind of panda dragoon um i would recommend the game again if you're a digital person just get it for 25 and then the patches are free so just you know keep downloading them as they come if you're a physical collector and you can wait a few months then definitely just pre-order that limited run games either way just get the game somehow i think by the end of it it's going to be a nicely polished game so that's my recommendation for Panzer Dragoon Remake. Yeah. Um, so I think before we, we move on to the, the demo uh, yeah. synopsis, I think we should talk about the limited run game since that's fresh in my mind now and the, the change of yeah. the open so, world. So go ahead and describe it to us, JP. Yeah. So one thing that people have started to notice is that limited run games have started to do one longer pre-order window. So we've seen up to six weeks now. Mm -hmm. And six weeks is with... Um, let me think which is their most recent game. Uh, it's going to be uh, Clannad. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, Clannad, sure. Clannad. Okay. Clannad. So you can call it Clannads new... if you want. Clannad. You want to be... <laughs> so, so their new distributed title that's going to be opening up for pre-order 
later next week. They have a six-week open pre-order along with a uh, collector's edition that's going to be open pre-order. Other games, such as Panzer Dragoon, Shadowgate, they've had four-week pre-order windows, and they've had open pre-orders for the collector's editions, which they really haven't done in the past. And Josh Fairhurst, uh, one of the co-owners and founders, had pointed out to everyone um, on Twitter and maybe even on other social media channels that because of COVID-19 and income you know, being a factor for a lot of people, they didn't want to create an additional burden on missing out on the game that you wanted, so they have longer pre-order windows now, which I think is great. I mean, I don't know what their numbers are on day one when a pre-order goes up, but mm-hmm. I, for one, like having the limited editions of their games as an open pre-order. Anybody can get it. There's no worry about it selling out. You know, It's something that people have been talking about for a while. And when you look at Shadowgate, that's another classic edition style uh, collector's edition, the Panzer Dragoon with the case. Um, even with um, oh, um, Streets of Rage 4, they have the Sega Genesis collection, mm-hmm. or Sega Genesis case, and that's an open pre-order. It's these really cool collector's editions that, you know, in the past, when you look at Bloodstain that sold out quickly and people were upset, now you have a chance to get it, and you can get it at a time that's convenient for you within that pre-order window. Plus, you so, can bundle them with You know, you know what games. I want to say, JP? Mm. About time. We are seriously, like, like we've mm. talked about this over the Playcast, and, like, I, it, this is counterintuitive to the collector mentality, but this is more me being a gamer and mm-hmm. me knowing how the Switch has continually had more and more and more games released every single month. So what an open pre-order does is let somebody like me, who's working and can't get to the pre-order, um, mm-hmm. the ability to get it, but also allows those that don't have infinite funds to pre-order 27 games in one day, um, they can mm-hmm. wait till the next paycheck, if they're getting paid mm-hmm. every two weeks, they can wait till the next paycheck and go, all right, now I can allocate the funds to get mm-hmm. this limited run games thing. Because sometimes they'll announce it and it's up for pre-order back in the day, and then it's like, oh, now it's gone. Um, mm-hmm. And next month I'll have some I'll have some cash. So I say it's about time. Um, limited run games is the perfect, perfect company to be able to do it because, you know, they've, they're well-established um the collectors there's got to be a subset that's angry about it because they they're changing how they're doing things and they won't be as quote unquote desirable but mm-hmm. limited run games is big enough to where they can do that and mm-hmm. the more they sell the more they're able to make which is cheaper it's a better profit mm-hmm. margin which means they can grow their business which is awesome mm-hmm. they can do more mm-hmm. games so like to me they're a perfect model for this um some of the other smaller companies i don't I don't see it um, happening as efficiently because there are other companies out there that kind of don't even have a cap um, or they, mm-hmm. they just have stuff up forever. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a couple sites that there's just games up at all times. Um, mm-hmm. So we don't know how many copies there are. But Limited Run has always been about posting how many copies they have. Um, they got in heat when they put things in Best Buy, which I thought was great because more people can play it. Um but that's me. I'm more like I want as many people to be able to experience the games as possible. Uh, yeah, that's me. Um, what do you guys think about that? Is it like so, a, an about time? I know JP is positive about it because he's positive yeah. So what I'm what I'd say is um, I'm on their website right now, and mm-hmm. just looking at their page, seeing all the collector editions available to me. If I was a new buyer coming in now, you know, on year this is year three of their their limited yeah. Yeah. releases. I see 
Panzer Dragoon available. I see Streets of Rage. I see Shadowgate. I see Ark of Alchemist, you know, whether that's, you know, you like the game or not. I see a Blackboard Collector Edition. I mean, and that's yeah. just the Switch. They have, they have, um, they have some other games for other consoles, but, you know, we're talking Switch. But I see at least what? We have four titles that I could easily buy right now. Which and, is awesome. and they look awesome. I mean, the Genesis case, love it. The Saturn case, love it. The NES style Shadowgate case that's going to come with their NES sleeve for the Switch. I love it. And I can bundle everything. That's a lot of things that's important to people. And also Blackbird. Blackbird just opened up. They have a, a collector edition for that. But just um, being able with, to... With just, Blackbird, just FYI, I'm not sure I'm quite sold on the game itself. That's just my personal thing, seeing it. but It, um, it has some kind of cult following. Because I, it it, I know it's a shmup. And I, I watch the trailer and I go, wow, this is a very unique Weird. trailer. Something yeah. I haven't seen before. But the people commenting... Uh, in the shmup community like there's a few that i follow and we talk and they are just like hardcore they've been wanting this game forever so I like they say, are listeners if you guys are are like on this game and you know all about it like let us know sell us on yeah. it because like i'll it's still open like i'll pre-order it if it has something where i'm gonna play it but if i'm just gonna put it into my backlog i'm gonna wait mm-hmm. like because it looks like a game <laughs> that i i would dig but it's gonna immediately go into my backlog so i'm gonna hold mm-hmm. off like fair enough yeah and then and then also you have the distributed titles. And looking at their Switch, they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, and then a seventh game next week with the Clonade. I mean, they have, it's literally a store on their website of games you can buy or slash pre-order right now. And to me, as somebody coming in, in brand new, I want to see that. I don't want to go to their website and just see sold out on everything and go, mm-hmm. okay, well, I guess I missed all these and this is release number 57 already. But it's like, wow, I can get most of the 50s. I can get a lot of their distributed titles. I mean, that, to me, entices me to come to the site and be like, all right, let's just start adding to the cart now. Um, so I, I think it's good, you know, whether this started out as a temporary measure to help people out, you never know what it could be in the long run because, one, mm-hmm. you have no idea how long COVID-19 is going to last. And, two, they're going to see at the end of the pre-order cycle how well it did. They're going to be able to look at the numbers and say, okay, we held this open for – four weeks and you know our collector editions sold 20 percent more than when we had them up for one day um and that could lead to a change in their business model moving down and we know there's no shortage of games coming and Mm -hmm. their collector editions i'm really enjoying especially these classic ones and if they're going to be doing more of them i want more people to be able to get them so if they're open pre-order i feel like that's just a win if they have a good enough model where they know how many to keep open to be able to manufacture or buy all the different components to the collector's edition because i think that's the biggest piece of it um but so far i'm hoping it's going well uh i hope the listeners uh if you're hearing this comment on what do you think about this is it helping you you know pre-order the games do you like the longer cycles and the open window um but i'm i'm in favor of this and i i really hope it does stay because i i do like more people being able to get it um so barry what do you think uh, this is one of those that I've seen oh, both Barry. sides. Sorry. What? Nothing. What? Go on. Don't what? crush what? Barry, JP. Jeez, <laughs> man. What the heck? J- I, JP's I, crushing I, Barry over here. We didn't I, even say anything. I didn't even say anything <laughs> yet. Didn't say anything. Your, first, your first word is like that. But. <laughs> no. <laughs> man. I'm sorry. JP's getting cold-blooded. Barry thought I was going to be the cold-blooded one today. No. <laughs> Wow. Okay, I hope all you listeners hear this. How JP just ganged up on me. 
out of nowhere, out of the gate. It was like you like like those you see a horse race, how all the horses are in the gate, and you're waiting for the the bell to, to open it, and it opens it, and I start running, and he just takes a gun and just shoots me in the knee. <laughs> Let me at least get a flop in. Very Damn, humble. Boy, I would have pushed you. I wouldn't have shot you. Gee. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm sorry. Zipping the lip. I am listening. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Look at a derail there. I know how. I know how to shut him up. I'm just gonna throw him off for right the start. Wow! Well, any, as I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted. Rudely yeah, Jeffrey G. Don't interrupt Barry. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> so, <laughs> so somebody who has <laughs> Jesus kill me. Somebody who has uh, been a, a customer of Limited Run since the very beginning and has gotten their releases. Uh, there was a, a bit of a kind of crazy like thrill of oh my god I got it in got it in, but there was also that oh shoot I missed it now I got to wait for six o'clock and now I hope I get it mm-hmm. and then it's that panic of now my whole day revolves around me being at the computer at six o'clock. Um, I like this better. And I'm happy about it because while I am a collector, um, I'm a gamer and I don't collect for monetary. I collect for the thrill, the fun, the enjoyment, mm-hmm. enjoyment of the games and what they mean. And while, yes, like many collectors, we have games that we may never get to. Um, that, that's true. But I, I love niche titles and Limited Run does a lot of indie and niche titles, which is awesome. Yeah. So I've, I've loved the majority of their releases. Um, they're not all perfect, but that's okay. Um, I see the side, the other side of it, the people who are upset about it, because either A, they are collectors who do collect for the monetary value, which, you know, everyone collects for their own purposes. Um, mm-hmm. I should tell you yay or nay on it, but um, I do think that it's one of those where if you're collecting just for monetary then are you really caring about the games or are you just looking to make a quick buck? And the other option, scalpers, the, the flippers, the ones mm-hmm. that just want it immediately and then flip it. They see things like poop slinger and all that stuff. And they just want to make some quick money. And there's still nothing inherently wrong about that because it's up to the buyers to pay those inflated prices, but it did make it hard for a lot of people who just wanted to play the game to even get those games, especially the earlier releases like Shantae and stuff was a big mm-hmm. one. Where you just couldn't get it and then had to spend a lot of extra money. And even, even back then, like now I do like the variant covers, but even back then I only got one, one of each Shantae. And I, I even debated like, Oh, should I get another one? It's 25 each, you know, it's an extra 50 bucks. Ah, no. And now I was like, wow, I should have done that. You know, look at what it jumped to, mm-hmm. but it's no way of knowing. Um, so I, I do see both sides of it. Uh, I'm on the side of I'm in favor of it so that more people get the games and enjoy the games. And, and if they wind up getting more sales in that four-week period, that means they get more money, which means they could start bringing out more games. And I'm always in favor of that, even if my wallet is not. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like this new model. I, I like the fact that, yes, they're taking our money for games now that they aren't going to deliver for a few months. This is what limited for a while now. Um, but at least they're paying their employees, and I'm always in favor of that during this. They're using that money to do that. Plus, they have contracts. They A lot of people don't understand, like like Panzer Dragoon, they entered a contract that they had to put it up for sale for a certain period at a certain date. And they had to do it then because it's strategically planned. So they didn't plan on COVID-19. No one did. So they, they had to put it up 
when they did because of contractual obligations. And a lot of people don't realize that. And it's like, they're just, they're doing what they have to do to continue bringing us these awesome games. Mm-hmm. So if you don't like it, that's fine. Don't buy from them. If you were only buying to make quick flip, then, then look elsewhere. Limited run is no longer a cash cow for you. That's fine. But for those that want the games that want the games physical, that want to enjoy it, this is a perfect model. And I honestly applaud them for it. So let me put on my uh, business owner hat, um, my publishing company hat. And so where limited run games is probably going to see a difference is it's just basically the immediacy of sales. So when you put something on, like even crowdfunding, and there's a date to things, people will back it because, number one, it's going to be gone. But then number two is people will forget, right? Mm-hmm. They'll look at it like, oh, I'm going to get it later. Um, so you have both sides of the coin. So when you had that pre-order window for Limited Run Games, you would see people log in at that exact time at 10 o'clock because they're not going to get it if they don't get there at that time, but they're going mm-hmm. to the site. So now that they have just an open pre-order, they launch it, people will go there, but some people, like normal collectors, will just be like, oh yeah, I'll go to their, I'll go to their site and check it out, and then they'll forget. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they may never, never get to it, and then you're missing out on some, some people that could possibly uh, want to get the game that just forget about it because they're not in their brain going to watch it or going mm-hmm. to see it. Or it's the same thing with the TV show and if or a YouTube channel that releases content every day or every week and then they miss one then people forget to turn in because they miss that they miss that week it's mm-hmm. the, it's the same deal um so it's that's where you're trying to get into the psyche of the t- typical buyer the typical person it's like near impossible to like predict all that stuff but that's what limiter on games is getting into now is that like hey we're going to have to be really choosy in what titles we put up because not every title is going to sell as well as other titles. Um, yeah. And, I mean, that's you've seen that where they've released less copies of less popular games before. Um, but also with an open pre-order is, is that they're probably in a point where, like I am, where it's just like, well, if I only get 1,000 pre-orders, then I'll just do 1,000 copies. I'm not going to do 2,000 copies. Like... Yeah. Which is cool. It's not like you're pre-buying everything, which um, that's, you know, like the super rare style where they have everything in hand and then you <laughs> have to like market and make up the sales. You're doing a pre-order window and then sell, and then getting the stock afterward. It's a really safe way to do business um, <laughs> and they're going to have to have a big warehouse going to this model too. Mm-hmm. Um, like just having all the different stocks. So it's going to be interesting to see, um, but like that's from the business perspective where they're moving to and mm-hmm. just doing an open pre-order system. I've been tempted to do it my side, but I'm, I, my stuff's way too niche to even worry about that yet. Like I'm not, mm-hmm. even though I have 21 <laughs> physical book releases, <laughs> I ain't, I ain't quite there. I mean, some of my books have the thousands, but like only some and they have to be super mm-hmm. popular. Um, even the Switch Collector wasn't in the thousands. It was, you know, normal a normal book release, not like my like NES and Super Nintendo books, which were like insane. Um, Give it time. Mm-hmm, exactly. I'm I'm gonna make it into the thousands. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to buy all of them. I'm gonna make it into the thousands. <laughs> JP's no, gonna do it. 
You know yeah, what? I mean, yeah. it, it sells out, it sells out, because it's like we were only able to do so oh, many yeah. uh, copies with the uh, the current amount of pre-orders we had, and like if it sells out, we'll do another printing, but they might have to wait a while. I was going to say, just you wait, we're going to, it's going to release, we'll do a video like unboxing of it, people are going to want to sell out, and boom, eBay is just going to be thousands of dollars. Gross. I don't like it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, that's so, that's before... literally why I did my black box challenge re-release. There was, that was yeah. it. <laughs> like, ugh, gross. So, so before we get into Bravely Default, I'm thinking that the two games should bookend the, the episode because there's one other topic that came up this week in the limited publishing world that I think we should address because I'm curious okay. on your thoughts, and that's with super rare games. Okay. So whether you're on their email chain or you've seen my tweets or just posts in general, their very first title, Human Fall Flats, mm-hmm. is getting a Japanese retail physical release. And George addressed it. He had given the rights back to the developer because initially, I believe they entered into a contract where he would be the only one publishing the game. They did 5,000 copies. It's their very first title. And now, what, three years later, year three, um, it's getting a retail release. So... I personally, and you know, he explained that he didn't want this game is insanely popular. It's it's had, I mean, billions of downloads and at least five thousand physical sales. So much download uh, across the different platforms it's been on, and he wanted the developer to be able to make more money, essentially, and you know, do you know, keep growing the game. Mm-hmm. I am in favor of that. I have no issue with that whatsoever. Um, and I'll give a little bit, of just a quick backstory that. You know, he put this out into an email. He explained his viewpoint on it, that it's not the norm. But, you know, a game like this, he didn't want to pigeonhole it to just 5,000 copies. Um, But the other piece is that people on the Discord seem to be very in favor. So their Super Rare Club Discord, you know, we believe in the company. And, you know, we back George and we, we understand why he did it. And then I saw some posts about people taking, like, interviews that he had saying, we will never, ever have our games released again. You know, once yeah. they're gone, they're gone. And they just like held him to that quote from, you know, back in like 20, what, 2018. Um, so I'm just curious your thoughts. Cause mine personally is I have no issue with that. Like, like Barry said, I don't buy any of these games to resell. Like when I sell my duplicates, I don't try and make a profit. I just try and make back my cost. Um, yeah. Cause I, I like to help people. I mean, I'm definitely not in this for the money and, I don't buy every single game and thinking that every single game is going to be worth anything. I mean, that's why I get them autographed because I want it to be personal for me. So I personally don't care. I mean, even when we have a game that comes to Best Buy with a different cover from limited run, I'm going to buy both. Like I don't care. It's a, you know, I'm, I'm that kind of collector. Some people like Barry said, they're buying a game solely for reselling it and hoping it's going to be that game. That's going to, you know, retire them. Hmm. Good for you. That's not me. I am. So I, I don't have an issue whatsoever. I applaud George for addressing it uh, right when the the news came out that they were doing a physical in Japan. Um, but I'm curious on your two thoughts because it definitely mm-hmm. was something circulating through the limited community and the Switch community this week. So, uh, Barry, why don't we start with you? I mean, I hate double dipping. And I hate mm-hmm. when certain companies will have the rights and and still have another release like hover for example just you know red art games and then mm-hmm. you know pm studios <clears throat> i hate that because as a u.s collector uh i want the u.s set but as a limited collector i also collect strictly limited bubble bubble 
uh, forever. Um, same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of of this, but I understand certain publishers, like Limited Run, for example. I believe they have the rights for a certain amount of prints or a certain amount of time, and then they give them back, which is why Plagia was able to do Soldner um, after Limited Run did it. I didn't realize Super Rare actually held the rights to their games and continue to hold it. But I'm happy in this case that, you know, they gave it back because of what he expressed in that email, because I did get that email, about how he wanted the this developer to continue to have more money so that they can continue to make new games because he really was a fan of Human Fall Flat. And by doing that on good nature, his next game there's a good chance Super Rare will get the exclusive publishing too. So it's kind of like investing in the future. Yeah. Um, the fact that it's coming out as a Japanese retail uh, means I don't have to worry about it. Uh, if it was a U.S. retail, um, that would be a double dip that I wouldn't be exactly happy about. But I understand what George did. I do not fault George for what he did. Um, I even applaud it in this case because it was designed by one guy. This isn't like a huge studio with a bunch of you know people and a big team. It's one guy. And uh, I can't fault the guy for trying to, to make some more money on his product so he can continue making more products. Um, that's mm-hmm. business 101. So, yeah, I have can, no, no problem with this personally. What about Jeffrey, you, sorry, before you go, um, before you go. I just want to read like the one paragraph just so I don't misquote anything um, from George's email. Um, so he says he's talking about give, why he gave the rights back. So he says, by not allowing the developer to release it as a global physical release, we are not allowing the game to fulfill its potential. We are directly stopping him. It was made by one guy from making money from a mass market release. This money will allow him to make bigger and better games and grow his studio. At the end of the day, we exist to benefit indie game developers, and in this rare situation, we're actually hindering the potential of the game, and we did not feel comfortable about that. The other version, meaning the Japanese one, will come out with different artwork, be a different version of the game entirely, mainly focusing on the online content of the game. Um, So he says, and to finally answer the most important thing people will ask, no, this is not expected to happen again. We remain focused on what we do, and being truly limited print is one of our unique selling propositions. This is a very, very bizarre and unique situation where over the course of two years, a game has skyrocketed to insane popularity. We sign our games exclusively, and this won't change. There will only ever be 5,000 copies of the super rare Human Fall Flat. Okay. So I just wanted to make sure I... We didn't miss anything in his email, as we're ta- really because we're talking about his email. Yeah. And, all right, um, all right, JP. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so... For, for being somebody who's himself been recently and consistently misquoted by weird <laughs> communities, because, like, literally, um, I've had exclusivity rights on a game where I had... Um, I didn't do an actual contract, because it was before I was incorporated, but, like, I had exclusivity rights, and then the developer, like, wanted to do more copies. I was like, great. And he did more copies, a different version of my game. And this is the one that's on Kickstarter right now, Black Box Challenge. Um, And then I got misquoted when I re-released my game because it was being scalped for hundreds of dollars on eBay, and people were asking me if I could please re-release it, not at a normal rate, so they could play the game and buy the game. And they wanted a, a full Nintendo package because the game is available as a cartridge only, but they wanted my version of the game. I'm like... Okay, cool. I will re-release it. Um, I'll put it up on Kickstarter so whoever wants to get it can get it. There's no limit to it. 
and that and that'll be it. But I'm not doing it beyond that because I don't have infinite funds to do games. Um, well, a certain subset uh, was mad because they're like, well, you're not giving any money to the developer. And I'm like, on my Kickstarter, it says a percentage of the game-related profits are going to the developer. Um, at the time that I made the agreement with the developer and the board creator, um, for mine, it was like, all right, so he wanted all of his profits to go to charity. So I was like, great, that's awesome, like, we, we will do that. You can't post anything about charity on Kickstarter. So I just put down, you know, the percentage will go toward, um, and I looked up, like, what a, a generous amount would be for a open pre-order to go to a developer, and I said that amount will go to the developer. Um, and so people were misquoting me. So I can imagine in, you know, the super rare case where they're like, well, we'll never ever re-release, and it's like, okay, but there's... Um, number one, not, the rights are not always exclusive 100% with every developer. I mean, we, we talked about that when we uh, interviewed the developers of A Whole New World, and they only had one region exclusivity. Um, so there could be that. It looks, sounds like that George does uh, exclusive exclusivity just to keep things completely with him, but it's completely honorable for him to go the route of, hey go ahead and release it in another region so you can make some extra money. I mean, mm -hmm. and that's the thing. Like, I've, even when I'm doing my games, if one of the developers wants to release it on the, on another side, it's like, cool, well, as long as, you know, it's its own unique thing. So my question is about this release, uh, JP, is is the box art different enough? Because Yeah, I think they showed it. It, it was different. It's different. So that And that's yeah. the thing. So, like, now you have this super rare art and now mm -hmm. you have the developer's version for a japanese artwork so mm -hmm. there's a there's a cool version for each so even if you're a super rare collector it doesn't mess with your super rare collection and right. then if you were a variant collector you get a variant version now which is cool mm -hmm. so like to me that's that's kind of how i go about things too um now, that other subset, though, like the same with my, my subset that, you know, went on Twitter and trashed me, um, that same subset, they're never going to be happy. They just want to, they, they just want things their way, and if you don't go their way, they'll be mad. It's the, the same thing. Um, those of us that care about gaming are going to do stuff that benefits gamers and allows mm -hmm. more people to play stuff. That's just how we, how we do things. Uh, mm -hmm. George is very much in our mindset. I know that for a fact. We've talked to him before. I mean, hell, you've met him in person in New York. I got like, to meet him. Yes, I did. Yeah, so it's like, I mean, he's absolutely a genuine gamer. So yeah. I applaud him for doing this. Um... I mean, I guarantee that those that are being critical are just worried that Lovers is going to get a re-release. I guarantee <laughs> that's what they're posting about. And it's like, like yeah, your nest egg is going to not be $300 anymore. Like, yeah. I, I'm not, I can't buy it right now because I didn't pre-order it back in the day because um, I have it on the Xbox. Um, you, know, you know what's interesting, though, now that I think about it, is that we've had this happen before with um, Golf Story and Cat Quest. So Cat Quest 1 got a, a, a retail release. And then there's a, a B-Side Games is a Japan-exclusive limited publisher that's doing games now. And they released, um, counting three games right now, two of them support English, which is Cat Quest and Golf Story. And I don't remember anybody talking about this, um, at least with Golf Story, about limited run. Um, maybe, like you said, maybe they have 
you know, region exclusivity, yeah. and then they give it back. But either way, I mean, nobody talks about it. And it leads me to believe that there isn't that big of a subset of our community that's buying every region release. Um, yeah. You have to remember, I mean, people in Japan may not be buying limited run games, super rare games. They may be sticking to their country, and now they have an opportunity to get this game physically. Is um, it the same group like that would technically be mad about like the super rare thing? Is the same group that complains that limited runs going to Best Buy? Oh I mean, yeah, I I guarantee. You know what I mean? It's like, not limited anymore. It's still. I mean, I, I feel like the the term limited is subjective in this in this yeah. environment. Um, we don't need to go all into that, but yeah, I would think it's the same people that complain. Like even now, we have Nurse Love. Uh, Syndrome Collection, that's a distributed title from Lemon Run, it's going to GameStop. It's their first GameStop game that's going to be in their stores. Um, I, again, we've talked about this. I don't see anything wrong expanding your business to other retailers to be able to get your game. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, it's still going to have an X amount of copies. We've seen that at Best Buy where games are starting to sell out of theirs. They're getting less of the games in, so they're even more limited through Best Buy. Um, but yeah, I would I, I believe it would be those same people that just don't like the idea of, oh, I got this game, it, it sold out, but now it's going to be available again. So my capacity. recommendation to George is just to avoid and ignore the naysayers because you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right yeah. thing by the developer. Um, you're doing the right thing by gamers who want to play the game because physically because mm-hmm. they, they, like, they just don't want to download it for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. so you're doing right, the right thing. And like, I mean, that's what I had to do in my situation is just, I literally got rid of Twitter off my phone. So I don't see it. And mm-hmm. so like, I can't even, I don't even know what was posted. I just know my, I had my wife check it and I'm like, if it's bad enough for you to respond, let me know. And it's like, no, people are just talking smack and complaining. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's fine. I don't care about that. Like it's. Mm-hmm. I know I'm doing stuff for the right reason. So yeah. and it's the same thing for George. Dude, you're doing the right thing. Absolutely. Bravo. Um, and like, as he said, he's still, he's not planning on doing this in the future unless there's some kind of circumstance and stuff happens. I mean, mm-hmm. who knows if that developer was a hit in this whole COVID-19 thing and is hurting financially. And this is going to help him feed his family. We don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, so like it's like let people <laughs> do yeah. the right thing, like jeez, um, but yeah, um, should we finally talk about bravely? <laughs> yes, I think we should. <laughs> um, let's let uh Barry do the wallpaper of bravely. Great, default. I'm so bad. I, I don't, I don't have it all like pulled up. You didn't... neither do I. Okay, I'll pull it up. That's fine. <laughs> I can. All right, let me let me uh, bravely default. Doing this live on the playcast. Doing this live on the playcast. <laughs> See, guys, it's all real. Oh no, I didn't even. <laughs> but I I should have some comments on this one because I did two different tweets about it. First yes. playing it, and then thinking that I finished it, which is funny because I did not finish it. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Barry. I can't wait <laughs> to thank I. I, I'm going to genuinely thank you as we go into this because <laughs> if it wasn't for you, I would have been done with this demo. <laughs> and I'm I'm actually very happy I'm not. Like even with Final Fantasy VII going on right now, I'm going back to the demo and I'm just like, oh my god, I need to. I didn't think I'd have to split my time between a demo and Final Fantasy VII remake. So it's just like, 
damn you, Barry. You're, you're magnificently <laughs> awesome. Damn it, yet, yet earlier you were jumping on me. And, and I want to know, was what I, like I said what you thought I was going to say? Did, did, I, did, I, did I please J- you? Or did, I thought it was going to be a rant about open pre-orders. I think it was how you breathe. I'm sorry. <laughs> JP's bipolar today, damn it. <laughs> no, he was like, he was like, well, and I was like, oh no, 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 no. This is a this is a Nintendo Direct rant again. <laughs> All right. What? <laughs> All right. So Jeffrey, tell us about Bravely Default Two demo. So Bravely Default, um, the whole series is a role playing video game developed by Silicon Studio, um, originally on the 3DS uh, mm-hmm. in 2012. Uh, it's published by Square Enix in Japan and Nintendo in the U.S., uh, directed by Kensuke Nakahara, uh, produced by Tomoyo Asana, and designed by Kensuke Nakahara as well. Um, it has a very um, unique art style, uh, which actually looks like the Final Fantasy Heroes, Four Heroes of Light. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, which is action role-playing sequel um, that they were working on when they actually created <laughs> Bravely Default. They were actually working on the an action role-playing sequel to Final Fantasy IV Heroes of Light when they moved over into Bravely Default. Um, so this sequel is, what, the third game in the series, Barry? Yeah, but it's it's like how Final Fantasy One and Two are yeah. not actual sequels. Or- yeah. So, so this one um, was announced in uh, was announced in a weird, unique way. Uh, let's see here. It was announced at the Game Awards in 2019 to be exclusively for the Nintendo Switch. Um, two years prior, on Christmas, the designer, which was Akihiko Yoshida, posted an image on Twitter holding a pair of Joy-Con controllers. <laughs> 2017. <laughs> um, and additionally, after Octopath Traveler sold one million copies. The case was celebrated with another illustration on Twitter, uh, with a pose assumed by the eight party members strongly resembling uh, Ari from the first game of Bravely Default. Mm. Um, so there's like a bit of a, you know, like a whole story with Bravely Default with the development team. Um, team Asano is the developers, and um, the core gameplay is being handled this time by. Claytech works instead of Silicon Studios for the Bravely Default 2. Um, the free demo is available, and so they're going to gather feedback from players and tweak the game accordingly. So mm-hmm. um, I'm the weird one in this group because I don't like the series up to this point, and um, so I'll go over my quick play with the game, mm-hmm. um, and then we'll let y- you guys dig into uh, glowing over it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm excited too. So I was worried Im- immediately when you boot up the demo. It says uh, it basically tells you that this demo is going to be ridiculously hard. It says it says you're going to start in the middle, and because we want you to experience all of the mechanics of the game. Um, so me being somebody who didn't play too much of the originals, um, I had to like jump in and try to figure things out as I continually died. Um, <laughs> So, basically, I'm going to use JP's uh, complaint about wanting a tutorial in Panzer Dragoon. Mm-hmm. And so, like, literally, if I played this game from the beginning and they gave me a better tutorial than, like, four screens of saying, mm-hmm. hey, here's Braves and Defaults, um, 
it would have helped because I literally went in after, you know, playing the original, the beginning story, which I enjoyed. The beginning story, it's your typical, like, different hero thing. Um, but as soon as I went out and I was like, all right, let me, let me start battling, I got my butt destroyed. Like, I barely beat the first battle, and then the second battle, I just got murked. And it's because mm-hmm. I kept on using the Braves or whatever they were. I kept on loading <laughs> them, and then I had to continually wait, like, multiple times, and then I just got killed. I'm like, what the hell's going on with this thing? I mm-hmm. am. So this is like a strategic style game, right? And I'm not used mm-hmm. to this gameplay. Um, and there was no real indication on how to effectively battle. So you had to like figure it out at this point with this demo, unless you're mm-hmm. familiar with the series, which I'm not. So I'm sitting there trying to figure out, all right, so if I do one here and one there. So I tried playing it like a traditional RPG the next time. Mm-hmm. So I played it. I was just attacking and, and and healing myself when I need to, and I was able to beat some stuff. Until it turned to damn night. <laughs> then it turned to night, and these orc things like attacked me, and there were six freaking enemies, and they just went and, <laughs> and wiped out my party. Um, and I was like, I had a sliver left, and I had to run away. And I'm like, mm-hmm. man, this is what this game is. Um, and so, like, to me, being a very basic player, like, they, they should have had two different, with this demo, they should have had, like, a beginner mode where you start right at the beginning, and they kind of show you, hold your hand as a perverse little baby player, uh, to be able to play, because I, it's, it's not the fault of the game, this is the fault of me, um, not being able to understand this stuff, um, now, the other side was is that, you know, I, I went through and I read everything and I was I had two sub quests initiated and I was like, man, this is going to be cool. You can go around and, and get treasure. And, you know, I went and did my job classes, but there was really no super in-depth like or it was, it was super in-depth. There was no like simple explanation on mm-hmm. what these main and subclasses do. And so, like, one of my characters was freaking worthless. Like, old Elvis Stryka, Elvis, how? was like... Every he's my best could be character. character. I will tell you how he was worthless, is the, the end-up job class and the subclass that I gave him, he had, like, a shield bash and then, like, a... um. And a, like an analyze function, and that's all he had. So oh, that's because you set it up that way. Well, yeah, you. But you I didn't it. know <laughs> every from the character of the game. Important. So, so it's like a random ass thing where you just like randomly assign stuff what? to your characters and try to figure it out. And so I did that, and then I changed him, and I changed him to give him an, an attack, and then it was okay. But then at that point, I was like, now I already bought all of my weaponry, so now all he has is a freaking staff that does like no oh damage. Like, it was just, like, to me, it could have been executed at the beginning a little more mm-hmm. streamlined and, and less, like, guess and check. To me, it was guess and check because mm-hmm. I never played the game. If I had played but the hell out of hundreds things. of hours in Bravely Default like Barry has and then Bravely Second and put in hundreds of hours into the games, I'd be like, oh, I already inherently know what loads are going to be more efficient. And so going into this game that is <clears throat> tells you it's going to be harder would have been a little more palatable or they don't let you choose that and they just give you a character set to, to mm, mess around they with in this do though so they start everybody as a freelancer with the sub job everyone has their own default sub jobs which obviously you can you can change so they kind of give you that at the start and they also explain everything when you go into at it at you to change them so i did and i jacked it all up so 
told they told you to do it. They're like, "Hey, go ahead and change them because all up." Because you like, customize okay. it however yeah. you want. You can yeah. afford the same class if you want. Doesn't matter. I jacked it all up, and so like to me, um, it was a little. There's like too much in it for me as a mm-hmm. as an RPG fan. I've been playing since you know Dragon Warrior on the NES, and before that, I was playing games on the Commodore sixty four. Um, mm-hmm. Being a, a old school RPG, this this game has a lot to it. I guarantee you, it's amazing, um, especially once you get it. I don't mm-hmm. get it right now from this. If I start at the very beginning, where it actually gives you a legit tutorial, I'll be all right with it. Well, well, I will say this: in in Bravely Default and Bravely Second, when you start off, you only have either just the freelancer asterisk or maybe one other, but mm-hmm. like you have to slowly gain them as you go through. And for the demo purposes, mm-hmm. they gave you five right out the gate just so you can yeah. play around so, with it. So, so what that slow unlock of the abilities allows you to do is it allows you to develop and master each one and know all the ins and outs of each build. And it allows mm-hmm. you to better tactically plan your battles, your missions. Like, I'm a tactically-minded person, too, where yeah. I, I completely understand it, so I overthought it all, too. So I was just like, man, this is there's a million options, even, and I'm like... They even stated, for the purpose of this demo, we're just giving you a few so you can mm-hmm. have fun with, but there are mm-hmm. there are plenty. I think there's like 30 or 40. Oh, oh my God. I guarantee you there's infinite <laughs> to go through, and that's where, like, like this game is not bad. So, so here's my, my synopsis, though, is that this demo was poorly executed from a beginner what? perspective. <laughs> but the game is good. I you know actually, what? I actually <laughs> liked the game. Don't don't crap on my review. I um, want to jump in. <laughs> you're going to have plenty of time to talk about your experience with the game. Um, <laughs> but, like, for me, the demo was, was good as a game. Like, I'm going to actually like this game. And I didn't wasn't drawn into the first Bravely Default after I played it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, this demo just was poorly executed from the fact that I had too much crap to do. Um, and I don't have infinite time right now because I had to work a full time, full week, full work week of 60 hours this week. So mm-hmm. I was only able to dig in a little bit. I wasn't able to, to play it for, for multiple hours. But even if I was, it was the Dr- Panzer Dragoon where I died. Mm-hmm. Like it's, yeah. it's getting a little frustrating for me. And I'm like, man, if only I could have just like, slowly leveled up a little bit and unlock some stuff and, and learn the nuances a little more soundly, I'd be good to go. And if I would have had an experience with the original where I re- or remembered playing it, because it was years, it was 2012 when I played it. Um, yeah. It was eight years ago now. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, yeah. yeah I, I don't, I think, think there was slightly difference in second and, and, and uh, the original, but in, for jobs in Bravely second, there were 30. Yeah. Freelancer, wizard, charlatier, bishop, fencer, astrologian, red mage, thief, summoner, swordmaster, catmancer, hawkeye, white mage, merchant, black mage, ranger, knight, ninja, uh, patsilier, uh, exorcist, monk, valkyrie, pirate, performer, time mage, dark knight, guardian, kaiser, templar, and yokai. And there was a vampire in the first one as well, so there's definitely changes. So, so to me, it's like uh, there was... Like I would have liked things to be a little bit rolled out a little bit slower, or maybe started a little bit earlier in the game. I don't know. Like it's it's just, but like it's not. Again, most of this is on me because I was overthinking things and 
had to roll through. Like it was the game looks awesome. The the graphics are amazing. The music's awesome. I like how the overworld like zooms out and you like run around and it's like a freaking painting. Like mm-hmm. I, the art style is awesome. I didn't like the art style on the on the 3DS and I think it was just the 3DS screen cuz on the Switch it looks amazing. Um mm. I I I am a, hun- a 180 from what I thought about Bravely Default on the uh the 3DS, but it's like on the giant 4K TV it looks so good. Um, I, I think it just it just shows that they like the capabilities of the Switch um, are just basically unmatched when it comes to like portable hybrid gaming. Um, but that's about it for mine. Like again, I it was a miss for me from the demo perspective, but I think I like the game now. So there's that, mm-hmm. Perry. <laughs> I actually like the game. I just. It destroyed me, but that was me. Um, mm-hmm. We'll go ahead and let Barry talk because I know he uh, wants to. Because <laughs> you, you already bipolar, Barry was JP. <laughs> Here I'm going to open my mouth and he's going to instantly jump on me again. I know. <laughs> Note to self: Don't talk. <laughs> don't talk on the podcast. <laughs> so there we go. No time, Barry, and don't talk, JP. <laughs> don't talk, bipolar, JP. <laughs> Bipolar JP. talking Barry so I can talk. It's it's BP Switch Mania, bipolar Switch Mania. (laughs) So yeah. Um this is a game that I was very angry at when it was first announced, and I'm still upset that it was announced because I still want a Bravely Third. And I hope they do something to continue the story. That being said, (laughs) it's awesome. Uh I went into the demo Knowing pretty much, you know, Bravely's way of, of, of applying the Bravely in the default system and what to expect. And uh, I will say it was a lot harder than I thought. The wolves destroyed me yes. um, because they counterattacked every time I attacked. And um, I had to like, okay, I'm not ready because the first quest is like, do the wolves. And I'm like, oh, yeah, wolf pelt. Yeah, they destroyed me. Um, so I wound up going the other direction and I encountered the same six orcs. Those things sucked. (laughs) (laughs) They, they sucked, (laughs) but, uh, you know, it's just about getting stronger and learning different combinations. And by the end of it, you know, like to, to beat the, the boss of this actual demo, um, I had like four monks with, you know, critical up everyone unequipped so that they had dealt more damage and just opened up with, you know, Wait, four brave. Cryptid, they do more damage. <laughs> Damn it, Final Fantasy One. <laughs> well, no, no. Monk, Monk gets an ability at level three in this that actually mm-hmm. says if you equip that ability unarmed. Yeah, unarmed, they if you don't put any weapon on, they do double the damage and have like a critical hit, hit rate oh, up. Oh, those a That's a Final Fantasy One thing where you unequip them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's actually really cool. And so, so what you're telling me though is if I actually level up like an RPG, I can actually do better. Okay. Yeah, pretty pretty much every <laughs> every job. I Asterisk in this demo goes up to level seven, but I believe it goes higher in the original. And oh, yeah. every time you level up, you get a new ability. And some some are actual active abilities, like you do in combat, and some are passive. And you can have up to three points worth of passive equipped at a time. So at least in the demo, you know mm-hmm. the, the the main game changes. So if a passive ability is only one, you get three abilities that are one point or one ability, one point and one ability, two points, but you can mix and match as long as the characters learned it. I love final fantasy five. Mm-hmm. So 
you can really customize. So like the, the paladin, the, the, you know, has an ability or the guard the, the knight with the shield has an ability like ups critical hit rate. So you can compare, you know, combine that with the monk. So they do more damage. Um, the white mage has something. So if you're in the negatives, you've used your brave points, you take 20% less damage. So if you're going to be, you know, a lot of risk, you can use that to help defend yourself. Um, there's a lot of different combinations you can do. And depending on what your main class, you have all the abilities of your main class, and that's what you're leveling up. But your subclass, you have their abilities too. So you can have uh, you know, a knight, but you could have subclass white mage. And if you've leveled white mage up, they have the white mage spells, so they can still heal, just not as effectively. You can also have them with like black mage, and they can do black mage spells. Um, so it's really cool the way you can truly mix and match and and that's the fun of the Bravely series is there's so many jobs and so many different combinations. And you could find a combination that works for you and then go online and say, how did you defeat this boss? And someone's like, oh, I used a completely different combination. Like there, there was some in older games where it was like Time Mage with Dragoon and you could like slow time while doing like massive jumps. And like there's certain combos that were just amazing and the enemies couldn't hit you. So that's and every cool. boss, it's different. So like for the for the for the boss of this, which is the to get the thief asterisk, um, you know, I just did full monks and went full full blast and I destroyed them. But then for like the super boss, I tried for for fun. I just tried the same strategy and got destroyed. So I was like, oh, I gotta reel this back and use more strategy now. I can't just you know brute force this, which is great. That's the way the game is. Is what what strategies work on some things don't work on others. And this, you're talking about how starting from the beginning, the reason you don't in this is this is the same type of demo they did for Bravely Default and Second, um, where it's a unique little area. Now, this city will most likely be in the game, but this whole situation that you're experiencing in the demo isn't in the game. This whole scenario, all this dialogue is just in this demo. You will not experience this in the game. Um, And that's that's the way it is. Yeah. Now, in the first two games, they actually gave you bonuses. Like, if you beat it, you got, like, an item pack, and if you did the quest, you got item packs, and you got certain levels, you got item packs. And then when you played the real game, it brought those over, like, special weapons and items to help you out in the beginning. Hmm. Um, this demo doesn't seem to apply that, which is kind of sad, but I kind of like that. It was more of a reward. But, yeah, th- I mean, I, I play it. I maxed everything. And when you beat it, you beat the, the Thief Asterix Holder, and then you can... St- you know, continue, and now you have the thief unlocked, which I did not level up the thief, but you can level up the thief. There's a third quest with some super bosses, um, and uh, yeah, it's it really. There's a lot more that you can keep going into um, the, the this demo, depending on how much you really want to get into it. I mean, you there's a whole north part to the to the desert that you could walk up to in this demo that you never actually have to go there. You can go right to the south ruins and and beat the demo. But there's a whole north area to explore. There's chests to get. There's special items. There's items that only drop from enemies uh, or from quests. Like, I think the second quest gives you an armor, but there's also an enemy that drops that same armor in the, the dungeon. And I wound up having, like, four of them before I even finished that quest. Um, so, like, the special weapon. Like, there's no healing staff you can buy, but there's a healing staff that drops. Um, so it's it's kind of neat that it lets you really explore and experiment and, and have fun. And that's really what it is. It's it's almost like a Mario Maker esque for RPGs. It, you can't customize the story, but you customize your party completely. Mm. And the Bravely in default system is just fantastic. 
because you can if you if you have a those RPGs where you have a healer and they're a dedicated healer but no one needs healing and it's like well shit I'm just gonna what am I gonna do you can actually defend and in this game when you defend you default so you gain an extra turn so then everyone takes massive damage now you have a turn built up and you could do like two Kiragas for example and heal everybody right back up. So, I don't think I ever figured that out, so that would actually help to me. <laughs> yeah, that's all point of the brave. So the brave system is you you use extra turns. Yeah. Um. So you could do up to four turns at a time, but then you can't turn again until you've spent those turns which waiting. Which kicked my butt every time. Which kicked your butt. But you could also do the res- the reverse and default. When you default, you def- go into a defensive stance and you bank a turn. See, and you I could bank up to four turns, and that's the idea. Is that sometimes you may want to over jump and go and sometimes you may want to be reserved like if you see an enemy in a defensive position you're like oh crap i can't do much damage this turn everybody default and now you bank at that turn so you can use it when they're more vulnerable and you also go into a defensive stance so you take less damage ah there's some strategy out so so you're telling me i just need to talk to barry on facebook (laughs) before i start playing these games that's what i'm gonna do in the future for honestly i think you should go back to this demo knowing that and give it another shot like change up the parties Yeah, I'm gonna do all monks. <laughs> you you can, and that's the beauty. You can do all monks, um, but then again, if you need healing, you need sub white mage. But if you haven't leveled up the white mage on that class, you may not have the healing spells you need. So then you would have to have some people level up white mage. So you know, plus you can go up to level twenty. And like freelancer has an ability that gives you more experience. So if you level freelancer up, you get that experience boost, and you can get to twenty a little faster. Mm. So when you go to the jobs, if you look, it'll actually show you what you get from one to seven. It'll show you all the things, and you can actually highlight over them and read what they do, and it'll tell you if it's passive with like a, it's a green icon if it's passive or red if it's like an active. Like you have to select it from the menu. Yeah, if I get some time, I'm gonna definitely uh, check it out this weekend here, um, for sure. But uh, I think JP is like yeah, I was gonna like say JP, why don't you why don't you go and talk now? The game was good. That's all. Oh, bull trap! Yeah, he's done. All right, podcast over. Thank you, everyone. Now, uh, no, no, now it's my turn. See, we've had two sides so far. We've had Barry, who is very familiar with the series and going into it, had a very good understanding of the mechanics. Then we have Jeffrey, who had played it in the past and didn't really recall it, so he had a little bit of a different experience. I have owned both games, so I've owned Bravely and Bravely Second. And they've been sealed. I have never put classic them in. JP. I've never played them. Yeah. It's a classic JP. Classic JP. So I knew nothing about this game. I didn't even really watch trailers on it, aside from just, like, quick ones. So I came in just, like, the definition of a newbie to the Bravely series. And it was funny because Friday, yesterday, we were supposed to record. And on Thursday night, I told I told at least Barry, I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to have time to play this. I, I beat Panzer Dragoon. And he's like... Uh, the demo's not that long. Just play it. I said, okay, let me start it. So long story short, I beat the demo, at least with the main boss, just under four hours. Then Barry was like, well, did you know that there's some additional um, side quest that you can do with a, a super hard boss? I was like, hmm, okay. So now I'm clocking in at six hours and 30 minutes in a demo. I have not beaten this boss yet, but what I can tell you is I can't stop thinking about this game like i i am loving it one is like barry said you can max out your characters in the demo to level 20 the job class is maxed out at level seven so as of now every single character 
has all but maybe one job class that's maxed out. So I've been taking turns and I put, you know, each different one as the main job class. I max it out within about 20 minutes at a time. And then I, I move on to the next one. Um, so let me tell you some strategies that I would recommend doing is one, we talk about how weapons can drop and may not be available in the shop. When you get the thief job class, which is after beating that, that main boss, you can steal weapons. And what's really interesting is that the, um, the super, it, it's like a sandworm. He's the first of two additional bosses in the game. You can steal a sword from him and then equip it. And it's a, a sword that's vulnerable against him. So you steal something that helps you in the game. And what's really cool is you can run away immediately. So you steal it, run away, level up, you know, do what you have to do. So the thief class to me is probably one of the most important job classes in this entire demo for the post game stuff, because the thief class abilities allow you to steal bravely points from your enemy. And one thing I didn't know coming into this game was really how the system worked. I'm not a defensive uh, player, when I when in any game that I play, I rarely ever go on the defense. I just you know I, I spam the attack. I I use magic. I use heal. I don't defend. I didn't realize how important it is to use the default here um, because not only is it important for you to bank extra turns, but when you steal a player's turn and they go into the negative, they can't attack. And that's one of the strategies I started learning for the the post game boss is that. If you keep him to like negative one, negative two, negative three, he's not going to attack you and he can kill you very quickly. Um, and I didn't think I was going to get so involved into a demo where I'm watching YouTube videos, I'm researching strategies, I'm trying to understand the mechanics of the game because it really is important how you, how you organize your parties because like Barry said, you know, one strategy for one enemy is not going to work on the others. Um, so I've just never played RPGs like that up until probably I'd say around the switch time. I was a strategy guide RPGer, meaning every single thing I did in the game, I'm looking at a book. I'm looking at a, an FAQ. I never played the game blind. Um, and I started doing that with RPGs and lo and behold, I'm loving it. I love exploring. I love talking to every single character. I love just exploring all the nooks and crannies and not knowing exactly where I'm going to go. Sounds like you did a yeah. lot of research, though, and didn't really play this one blind. No, I researched after I played. Oh, because I could, I, yeah, cause yeah, I because I played it blind completely. No, I played this blind, and I realized early on, like, oh, I'm dying. I need to start, like, I, I started picking up the mechanics of the game. And what's interesting is when you get strong enough, the enemies start running away from you. They see you coming, and they just run in the opposite direction. So, like you said, I, I go out into the desert... And there's the low-level, like, I don't know what you want to call them, like, uh, I don't want to say elves, but just like these little hobbit kind of like, like goblin. goblin creatures, right? They're the first ones that you start fighting. I'm like, okay, I'm getting this. I'm killing them. Then you get to the wolves. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, I'm dead. Like, why am I dead so early in the game? So I do what I've been taught to do is that I level grind. I start getting stronger. I barely beat the wolves. But then the next time I beat them a little bit easier and then easier. And then I'm like, you know what? I think I got this demo. So I head to the beach and then there's these wasps and there's these like orcs and they just kill me instantly. And I go, okay, I'm, there's a very big learning curve here. You get to the snakes and they kill you and you get to the bears and they kill you. And I'm just like, this game is not easy. But I got to the point where before I ever even went into the, um, what do you want to call the, the like main dungeon. dungeon? Not really dungeons, like uh, ruins. Um, before I ever did that, I went through the entire map. So I got all the way to the north. I beat that hornet 
when you're climbing up like these cliffs and then there's a chest with a stronger weapon as your reward for beating it. And I'm just like, this is great. And I, I explored everything. I talked to every single person in, in the town and I, I loved it. I mean, for such a small area, there's so much to do. Um, and what's, what I really like, and we didn't talk about is that when you press the right trigger button, the map expands outwards. So you see the entire area, um, in the town. And that's something that I normally don't see in video games. And it was nice to kind of see like, okay, like I can still go to this area. I can go to that area. And then it when also you get shows in, you where you're supposed to go too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you expand, it showed you the inn. it showed you the weapon shop. And I have to imagine if there's other kind of stores in the game or shops, they're going to show those. But I like that because it's like, okay, at any time I knew exactly where I need to go. Um, because also, like you said, with the main quest and the sub quest, you'll have different icons. So when you zoom out, you can see exactly where they are. And you can always have you always have them on your radar in the world itself, um, so you know exactly where to go. And one piece of advice I always got from my friends playing RPGs is: if they tell you to go left, go right. Explore everything you can in the opposite direction before you get you know to the next part. And I started doing that in games, and to me, I found it very enjoyable. So only dragon going, quests that kill you. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm talking about the original NES one. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> I believe you. So going back to this demo, I'm at six hours and 30 minutes. I still have not beaten the sandworm. I found out there's actually like this tree Groot type of creature that you can fight also. And I'm at the point now where I think I've leveled up the right job classes. I have an idea of the strategy, which is for me, it's going to be keep the boss at negative. Have somebody because what's interesting is that the job classes in the thief, you can steal their attack power, their magic power, increase your own. You can steal the bravely points from them. I mean, like the job classes are so important. And then there's other jobs that give another user 20% back of their magic points. So there's so much strategy involved to the point where right now, you know, I'm dealing maybe 200, 300 points of damage to the sandworm. And I'm watching this video of this guy doing it. And he's dealing 9,000 points in one turn after Mm. weakening their magic points, having another player, keep maxing out the magic points using like Blizzaga, Blizzara on it. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And it's like, I don't play games like this. I don't ever go into job classes and go this in depth. And now I'm at the point where I can't stop thinking about this game. (laughs) And even when I'm like, kids are going to bed tonight, I'm going to go to chapter three of Final Fantasy. I just want to go back to Bravely Default. And the only downside for me now, like six hours later, is nothing carries over into the next game. And but you, know, but you know what this told me? Two things. One is they did this with Octopath Traveler. They gave you this demo. <clears> then they gave you feedback. And they made changes on, on people's feedback. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I really have a lot to say right now. I, I'm, thinking about, I'm not really thinking about what to change. I'm just kind of enjoying it. But investing already, which is probably going to be maybe eight hours at max before I'm done, this is going to be a day one buy for me. And... I didn't think I would enjoy this game and it's become one of my favorite and it's a demo. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's perfect. I mean, yeah, I absolutely would have loved a better tutorial because I knew nothing about it. I knew nothing about how to effectively use the take and give of yeah, your like turns. Minutes, JP, just saying. So you know. <laughs> okay. Oh boy, you guys talking and I have to show. Okay. Um, <laughs> I didn't long, say anything. Long Go for story, it, JP. Yeah. Long story short, I highly recommend playing the demo. I definitely think it's worth it. The maybe the one negative that I've seen from other people that I agree with is maybe the voice acting. It's very weird that every character is from like a different region of the world. Um, 
like you have a like Scottish it. guy, you have a British like guy, it. you have an American guy, and it's more like I don't know. Maybe they'll, they'll probably keep it the way it is. Over time, it doesn't bother me anymore. When it started out, it felt a little off for some reason. I don't know why. But other than that, I mean, I think the game is fantastic. Uh, the demo is definitely worth playing. Whether you get oh, yeah. anything, hmm? uh, I agree. Go yeah, because I had people <laughs> mention. You know, I'm going to jump into the feedback, but I've had people talk about like, oh, I don't get anything by being the game. What's the point? It's like it's for the experience because it really is a very cool demo. So well, and cons- I, considering that you know Square Enix decided to ship me Final Fantasy VII on the sixth, and I won't have it until the fourteenth because of mm-hmm. uh, shipping awesomeness, I probably will have time to dig myself mm-hmm. back into it. Um, and so that way Barry can hold me accountable and ask me next week. <laughs> yeah. Good. There you go. Yeah, I do want to hear your thoughts if you do play it again next week. So let's let's go to the listener feedback really quick. Um, so there's the point that it was fantastic. The graphics are strikingly different if you compare it to the Octopath. It yeah. follows in the line of previous versions, but with more graphics to go with it. Uh, Death Knight Leo said, worth it, just wish had all job changes to see them all in action. Ah, you gotta much. wait for That'd the full version. Much. That'd be way yeah. too much anyways. I'm already overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. And I have to imagine if they release them over time in the game, it's meant to be where you really shouldn't have certain ones in the beginning. Like, Plus, you, with, to like be you with the uh, thief getting the thief, and then all of a sudden yeah. you're like, man, this is awesome, and then you got dug into it. Like That was oh, what I was yeah. talking about, where yeah. it was slowly unveiled. Like Your story hey. with the thief is perfect. And what's funny is, I wasn't even going to use the thief know, ability because I thought I was done. And then when I went back, I'm like, all right, I, I have these other job classes and I, I had no idea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Norboy said interface looks held ass, maybe half ass, and needs some more work. Character and monster design is quite bland and uninspiring. British accent is out of place in the game. Octopath Traveler was so beautiful and pixel perfect with high attention to detail in comparison. Um, Iron Neko said, awful balance and not being able to skip dialogue is infuriating. Other than that, the backgrounds and general aesthetics are gorgeous, and it's pretty close to the other two games in terms of mechanics, so that's great. Uh, Geared Lee Sensei, I've only played for a couple of hours, but the difficulty spikes are super weird. The Wasp, for example, can wipe my entire party in a turn. The British is weird, I agree. Um, and then I did one more tweet, so I'm just going to click on that, see if we had anybody. Okay. Um, yeah, so we, have... so we got to wrap it up, though. My wife just knocked okay. on the door. So the reason why we have to wrap it up is I have an interview that's scheduled in 10 minutes for uh, HGTV. <laughs> so, like, I do have I... one quick question, though. I have to get this question out. I've been, I've been patiently waiting. Yeah. And this is to JP. Oh, okay. Now that you've played this demo, and I'm so happy to hear that you're enjoying it, I, yeah. I, I, I think the series is overshadowed and needs more attention. So yeah. here's some, a fresh perspective, falling in love with it. Music to my ears. Absolutely love it. Um, after you finish Final Fantasy VII, do you think you're actually going to open up Bravely Default since we've got some time to wait for this and actually play through the first yeah. two games? So I sold my two copies recently. Oh. <laughs> but you know what? I, it does make me want to go back because I don't, actually don't think the standard editions are, are that expensive to find. No. But I am more inclined now to open up my uh, 3DS again, charge it, and, and try try the first uh, the two games from there because I really do enjoy this a lot. They got More they have than, some world like yeah. like fourth world wall breaking stuff too. It's really okay. great. I may have to now. I mean, I'm definitely more inclined. So Jeffrey, let's close it out. We don't even know what we're playing next week. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> my recommendation for what we should talk about next week is uh, one that Barry recently just put a little a bow on. And I think we should uh, hold my feet to the fire and let's do Zero and ZX uh, Legacy Collection. Oh yeah, I agree. 
which one do we have to play? Um, you can play whatever you want. Um, play whatever you want. ZX okay. are more Metroid. So ZX are more Metroidvania, and then Zero ones are more like Mega Man style. So um, if you want something, I would say start with zero. Start with zero. Um, and start or, with zero. If you want more Mega Man style bosses, then you go to zero, two, three, four, where you actually yeah. like select the bosses. Um, but either way, they're all excellent. Um, I'm gonna and play with the casual mode on. It goes so yes. quickly. Casual mode on. Um, okay, I'm so good with that. So, so that's what we'll play because uh, Barry just finished it up, and I want it to still be fresh in his mind. Um, Sounds good. But since I'm the one who has to go, let me let's wrap up real quick. Um, let's do it. So. Uh, thanks everybody for having the wives on for Animal Crossing because now my wife literally bought me a Switch because she's been playing mine nonstop. Uh, she actually found one, so that's cool. It's uh, again gonna take forever to ship because awesomeness. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll have a second Switch, so you can thank me more so that now they will announce the Switch too because, <laughs> because I'm gonna have a new one. Yeah, like, thank they, you, Jeffrey. Yeah, thanks for taking one for the team. Y'all are welcome. Um, but. As always, you can find me at Hagen's Alley on Facebook and the Twitter and on Instagram at Hagen's Alley Books, as well as this podcast is available at Hagen'sAlley.com and anywhere you can listen to podcasts. What about you, Bear? You can find me on Twitter at Hawk Hellfire, and you can find me on Facebook and on YouTube at Nintendo Fuse. JP, what about you? Yep, you can find me at jpswitchmania.com. On Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube, it's JP Switchmania. Just type it in, you'll find me. Um, but yeah, I live on Twitter, so if you want to talk to me or just be kept in the loop on Nintendo Switch stuff, that's where to go is Twitter. And thanks, everybody. Yeah, and maybe next week we'll be able to uh, not have to cut things short because of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we couldn't record yesterday because JP had a uh, anniversary. And I did. And your engagement listeners. anniversary. <laughs> And family always supersedes people. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, hit us up and comment if you want us to read some comments. We absolutely will. And we will see you next week. Bye. Have a great one. <laughs> <laughs>